Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, where we're seeking to engage you with the gospel of Jesus in order to grow in your own faith so that you can become better equipped to live it out and share it with others. This is Aaron Hesse, staff member at High Point Church, and I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson today. Hey. And we're going to be talking about hospitality and how really the entire work of that ministry, both um, departmentally, which is under Connections, which is my department, which I have a huge passion for that, um, but also um, how it plays out in our own lives, in the church as a whole, um, how that can be summed up um, in in this idea of including and forming. Um, Nick, you mentioned that at my um, connections annual connections team meeting a couple months ago, um, fall of 2016, and so. Can you tell me what led you to get to those two words as we were talking about hospitality? Yeah, so um, when you think about the ministry of the church, right, what we're doing, we are making disciples, and Jesus told those who leading that church to feed his sheep, mm-hmm. right? Um, within that process, though, is if you think of how Jesus talked about it, is going and inviting people to come into that. Mm-hmm. And so hospitality or the love of the stranger, or essentially the love of the person who is not already included, mm-hmm. loving to include the person who is not already included, mm-hmm. that's the definition of hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's also the definition of the first step of mission, right? Mm-hmm. People have to be included or touched or accessed or whatever. There has to be a relationship before much can happen. Mm-hmm. So hospitality isn't just caring about or loving anyone. It's... Uh, new people but or right i mean that's the heart of what hospitality is it is making people feel included and welcome putting them at ease right Mm -hmm. um which is the in one ways it's the that's the purpose of manners right Mm -hmm. yeah and we're supposed to use our manners with everybody Mm -hmm. but one of the reasons why manners are so important is when you're interacting with somebody who is not used to you Hmm. That's when walking on the right-hand side of the stairs is most helpful. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you've never met this other person before in your life, and you've got to figure out what side of the stairs you're going down. Mm-hmm. And if everybody knows they're going to be on their right, you're good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Essentially, that's what manners are, the, the capacity to put people at ease. Hospitality mm-hmm. is the actions by which we make people feel at ease and included, and it's mainly focused on people who are not already included. Hmm. Makes sense. Cool. So that's the including portion of yeah, these, this idea of including and forming. Um, and you can make people who are technically already included feel included. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So where would you normally see that needing to happen? Where? Yeah. So, I mean, in a church, it's oftentimes people who visit, mm-hmm. who are there for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. In, in a family, it can be the middle child. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of broad, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, in churches, it's often... Um, whoever is not already included. So, for example, if you're in a Sunday class, right, mm-hmm. it could be whoever's not already in that class mm-hmm. because that class can feel like its own little community and mm-hmm. the person who's not in it wonders if they're included or not included. Mm-hmm. And so that class could have actions of hospitality say, no, you're welcome here. We want you to become included, mm-hmm. right? Out, you know, in our hospitality ministries, those mainly focus on helping people feel included in Sunday mo- the Sunday morning worship mm-hmm. gathering and in small groups, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so then that second word, informing, what is that? Um, what does that forming. mean? Yeah, I mean, forming is the discipleship work we do. So when people are included in the family, um, like the work of my family isn't just that I make sure everybody's included. Mm-hmm. There's this whole other work of being a family mm-hmm. that we have. Eating, like my kids have to grow, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to feed them and love them and teach them and help them and 
all of that mm-hmm. is the ministry, the disciple-making ministry of the church. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that with anybody who isn't included. Mm-hmm. And if the goal is self-sacrificial, self-forgetful, virtuous, holy love, mm-hmm. it has to start with something that people coming in can sense is loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And so I think where we've gone wrong with that, um, specifically in the church, is we have envisioned hospitality as the... Um, getting people through the doors, getting them to sit down, and that's where it really should end. That it's as long as we get people into the system of what they need to do, mm-hmm. that that's where our job has, where we can stop. Yeah, and now we are so with it because we, we people can get <laughs> coffee on their way in. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, you've talked about that a lot. Like, as um, I'm over a number of different connections teams, we've got greeters and ushers and um, that. their role isn't just to get one person from point A to point B, but to develop those relationships to really help them feel like they're part of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, So where have you seen that? I mean, have you seen that developing it specifically at high point? Um, Or yeah, where where have you seen that happening more? Yeah, I mean, there's always some people that are naturally more given Mm -hmm. to relating to people, talking with people, and so on. Um, I think one of the biggest changes is that after services, when I first got here, the sanctuary would clear out in about three minutes. Mm. I mean, literally, after three minutes after service, there'd be nobody in there. Yeah. Um, And that's not really true anymore. You know, ten minutes later, there can be a hundred people, especially after second service, because there's not another service about to happen. Yeah. Actually, I was in the lobby this this last Sunday waiting for people to come out, and like ten people came out right when service ended. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, everyone's just hanging out in the lobby still. Yeah. Right. And so our lobby is much more congested, and our sanctuary is still (laughs) fuller before and after services. Yeah. But it's usually because there's people who are just hanging out and relating to each other. And... um, so, so that's big. That mm-hmm. wasn't true before. It is true now. And that is more organic. There, there's not a system for that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to create some kind of ministry. And hospitality always does work best when it's the most natural, the most organic, mm-hmm. the most the most something that we sort of individually all get mm-hmm. as part of belonging to Jesus. That, that on a cosmic level, we didn't belong. Mm-hmm. We weren't just outside the, the sort of click of grace. Mm-hmm. We were enemies of God, mm-hmm. right? And he reached out to his own enemies and drew us in and invited us in to belong to him, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you really get that down in your soul, if you really understand that deeply, you just can't help but get that you are here to help mm-hmm. invite other people in. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to invite them into the kingdom of God, you have to invite them into all the ways the kingdom of God is visible, mm-hmm which is the church and the richest and most enjoyable relationships within that church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have, I think you're right, like we have that sense that we need that in ourselves, that we need to feel like we're, that we have a place of belonging, that there's a place for us to feel connected. Um, but being able to then turn around and say, oh, okay, these people also need to get, you know, get plugged in, get connected in. And it's not just the role of um, staff or, or even elders, um, but that as a church body, each of us have a responsibility to um, have that awareness and bring people in is really key to mm-hmm. developing that here. Yeah, and I think one of the things to recognize is we're not just working against people's um, sort of cliquishness or mm-hmm. wanting to exclude other people to feel like they're included. Mm-hmm. We're also working against healthy human nature mm-hmm. where we, we want to have stable relationships. 
right? Yeah. And stable friendships. And so a normal person doesn't need that many friends, mm-hmm. right? A normal yeah. person is going to have five to seven friends. They're close. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a, another circle of related people that may be 25, 30. And then they may know 100, 150 mm-hmm. people beyond that, right? A normal person. Mm-hmm. And so like emotionally healthy people fill up those five to seven positions very easily. Right. Even 15 or 25 doesn't mm-hmm. take very long. And then if somebody like moves to another state from your five to seven, you just promote somebody from that mm-hmm. other group, right? <laughs> yep. And so people who are emotionally healthy, their their life is relationally full. Mm-hmm. And so to tell that person or for that person to say, I actually can't work that way, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I have to create an open space on yeah. purpose yeah. and include somebody I wouldn't otherwise want to. Yeah. And maybe include somebody who's not just like me because, because frankly, it is actually relatively emotionally healthy mm-hmm. to include people like you. Mm-hmm. In your groups. Yeah. Um, it's not particularly emotionally normal for a human to say, let me find somebody that's like a different race and right. a different economic class and different educational yeah. level. And that's a different personality type. And that's a different blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And let me get that person in my group of five. Like, there's nothing particularly normal about that. Mm-hmm. Right. But, I mean, this is what people do who live in a sort of a discipleship of hospitality. They, mm-hmm. they say, I have to create space in my life for new people Mm -hmm. and that's just it's hard sometimes to do that yeah i found that it's hard to figure out that balance without um well choosing to do that but not completely neglecting the other like core friendships that i Mm -hmm. have because those are really important and if you don't have those either oftentimes that when you're trying to connect with new people um that it can feel very fake or very Mm -hmm. surfacey and there's no there's you're not really grounded or rooted in friendship mm-hmm. um that's deeper than that so it is a hard balance to <laughs> figure yeah. out yeah and for people in family life stages mm-hmm. it's usually impossible mm-hmm. the idea that you can have your hospitable five to seven friends of people mm-hmm. you're kind of including mm-hmm. and then you can have these other meaningful friendships is for somebody who has like some kids and a job and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. it's just literally not possible mm-hmm. like every once in a while a group of five to seven friends will have some people move away mm-hmm. and they they will choose to just include somebody who's brand new that they just met at church or right. something. And that's great. Yeah. But when you, you see this a lot in small group ministries, people who really care about Christian community and they'll be part of a small group for like two years and they grow really close to each other. And then you say, Hey, who will help us start a new small mm-hmm. group? Right. Yeah. And nobody does. And like mm-hmm. if the, the group doesn't split into five groups, there's one couple that goes, you know what? We'll start a new group. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, that person exits that other group mm-hmm. forms a new one right. and does not have the same relationship they had yeah. in the last one yep. um, which leads us I think to what you want to talk about next which is being the kind of person with sufficient emotional intelligence and the capacity mm-hmm. of vulnerability to bond with new people that you can actually enter into relationships and in not very long yeah. enjoy the kind of richness in those relationships that you spent two years with other people building mm-hmm. I wouldn't personally be able to emotionally survive <laughs> if I couldn't get to a place of being able to enjoy somebody on a relatively emotional vulnerable level in terms of friendship Mm -hmm. in less than two months yeah Uh, in fact sometimes i can do it in a couple hours Mm -hmm. and i just i have to move through so many relationships as a leader yeah that if i couldn't do that i wouldn't be able to survive Mm -hmm. emotionally as a person yeah so yes that emotional intelligence intelligence that you mentioned um we've i've been hearing it more um from like at the global leadership summit um travis bradbury he wrote um he's an american author wrote the book emotional intelligence 2.0 he talked about it there that it's really important to have this eq in order to 
succeed really, he wasn't even specifically talking about just churches or smaller communities, but that in general in um, life, in other, in businesses that um, people like CEOs and, um, and managers, they need to have this um, level of intelligence emotionally in order to um, really do, to understand what's going on um, in themselves and around them. And so, yeah, what were some of the things that you took away from yeah, I mean, emotional that. intelligence is one of those phrases that because people don't like to read whole books, mm-hmm. um, people say, oh, emotional intelligence, I get what that must mean. Mm. And then they start talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And it means basically three things. And most people think it means the first thing, which is the most inconsequential, which is having a sense of like what's going on emotionally in you, mm-hmm. right? People think, oh, that must mean knowing thyself, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm intelligent about my emotions. Mm-hmm. It's so, it, it relates to that, but that's not what it's mainly about. It's mm-hmm. mainly about how you, you and your actions are affecting the emotions of others, mm-hmm. And how the actions of others are affecting you. Hmm. So in that um, longevity ministry seminar we were in, they were talking mm-hmm. about emotional intelligence being important for having longevity ministry. But it was mainly about the third category, how other people's expectations and their desires and their emotions are affecting you and how much you're taking them on mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. emoting with them and accepting their expectations and like that, how that can disintegrate you emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Right. Right? But the, we're talking mainly about the second category, which is how does what I do affect other people emotionally? Mm-hmm. How do they respond to it? Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly important for hospitality because you're essentially trying to make the other person feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not sensitive to how what you do affects them emotionally, mm-hmm. you, you're not connected to what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I think one of the things that we're trying to do with, of course, every human being in mm-hmm. discipleship, but especially people who, who have a call and are acting in a ministry of hospitality, is mm-hmm. for them to pay increasing attention to how people respond to them mm-hmm. and how different resp- people are going to respond to them differently. Because mm-hmm. most people assume themselves on other people and then do what they would think the other person would best emotionally respond to. Right. Which is great when you're around people that are like you, mm-hmm. right? either personality-wise or culturally or racially or economically, mm-hmm. right? There's certain rules for different racial groups and different mm-hmm. economic groups, and you play by those rules. But that's not necessarily true. And mm-hmm. it's not just if you go to another country. Sometimes if you just you step across an economic class or even a background, like if yeah. somebody's from an Irish family and you're yeah. from a British family, those rules aren't the same. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can have – if you, you're doing a wedding and – um, you're on the groom's side, and the, and the groom's side is German, and the bride's family is Puerto Rican. Th- that that whole event is functioning on two different sets of rules, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so hospitality is partly figuring out what the other rules are. And the and mm-hmm. the, the the part of the secret of this is they aren't that complicated mm-hmm. if you observe the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can go into a whole other culture, yeah. know nothing about that culture, but if you are paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. And realizing that you need to know what's, what your effects are on them. They, humans can't help but signal mm-hmm. how what you're doing affects them. Yeah. And I, I mean, even among people that I do see who are very who are very much like me, there's a lot of things that I could assume based on my family upbringing or my age uh-huh. or um, because I'm a woman that how I if, I, if I, like you said, if I just develop a self-awareness or what I know that I'm putting what I think I'm putting off just, and it's only a one-way interaction that I'm thinking about mm-hmm. I can still be very aware of that um but even to people who are very similar to me there can be a misunderstanding um just based on how, how different we are even you know I have a friend who's um 
she's 24, so three years younger than me. Um, we're both, you know, grew up similarly, um, but because she is introverted and I am more extroverted, how we communicate and the fact that I'm um, just naturally more open and talk talk about things that um, I, I don't I don't have much of a filter sometimes. And for her, that was very different. And so recognizing that, and and also not not saying that either way is wrong. Mm-hmm. That how I um, emotionally um, come across isn't necessarily wrong. How she accepts it isn't wrong. But develop, developing that intelligence of it and recognizing where there's differences is mm-hmm. really important. Yeah, and the more you do that in relation to another person, mm-hmm. the more you're doing that, mm-hmm. the more adaptable you become in receiving from another mm-hmm. person, right? Because yeah. the more you're thinking yep. about, like, what, how do I help this person yeah. feel the way I wish that they could feel, right? Mm-hmm. The more that person, whatever they do to you, even if it's not particularly sensitive, you become increasingly adaptable. Mm-hmm. And the more the two people are adaptable, the easier it is. Yep. The Part of the problem that we're having is culturally because this isn't the case. People are actually sorting themselves out towards identical people, Mm-hmm. And they're expecting other people to treat them exactly the way they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And people are actually losing their ability to be civil, mm-hmm. hospitable, and relational. Yeah. Because they're getting everyone's getting offended instead. Right. Yeah. They're like, you're gonna <laughs> so I have these rules. I expect you to yep. know the rules already to play exactly by those rules. And if mm-hmm. you don't, then I'll get offended. I'll send you this signal mm-hmm. and you're out and I'll go relate to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That only works where there's no diversity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's only when you have an absolutely monolithic culture mm-hmm. and everybody's exactly the same mm-hmm. can you have 375 cultural rules that everybody has to obey. There yeah. are places like that, like certain parts of Japan, for example. Yeah. Like the, the number of cultural rules that exists, the anthropologists, there's tons of them. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of the reasons why if you break a cultural rule, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But people will get, kind of get you back in line. Like, mm-hmm. You just broke that cultural rule. Here's a little shame for you, right? <laughs> um but in our like our culture, the only cultural rule is you have to be perfectly tolerant. Mm. But if you break the one cultural rule, it's cataclysmic. Mm-hmm. You're out. You're yeah. now anathema. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we we'll recognize is, is our culture is actually moving away from this. Mm-hmm. It thinks it's becoming more loving and more accepting, but it isn't mm-hmm. in the most basic human sense mm-hmm. of relating. Mm-hmm. But even in the midst of that culture, we can hear Jesus calling us back to something much more basically human, mm-hmm. which is which is love and love is going to drive us to emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. because emotional intelligence is simply being loving right knowing there's another person in the room besides you yeah and i think that you you just saying that reminds me that um having an emotional intelligence and being loving is not the same as being tolerant it's it being aware and understanding differences and loving through that and seeking to understand is what is, is really what will create deeper relationships that foster actual love for one another, mm-hmm. not just um, not just for the people that are so similar to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So a part of this whole thing, you, we've talked, we talked a lot at High Point and our staff team about candor. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we, we've talked more about recently is that candor needs to go along with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But vulnerability is very important in relationship to connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Displaying an appropriate amount of vulnerability. There's right. some people that dump everything on people right away and it's very off-putting. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that like, they're kind of sealed up clams. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a certain amount of ability to open yourself to mm-hmm. someone else mm-hmm. because they and they have to feel it because that's when they feel like they're in mm-hmm. when you open yourself and show some vulnerability they know mm-hmm. you've let them in right yeah so you talked about this a bit, good bit in your talk yeah i talked about how um 
like specifically at a church, we can't just assume that because we're a church building or because we meet on Sunday mornings or whatever, that we can assume that hospitality is built into the structure of High Point Church. It's really up to us to help create, um, we as a, not just help, we, we are the ones that create the an environment of hospitality. And one of the ways to do that is through um, appropriate vulnerability to the people that come into the doors. And mm-hmm. so, um, I again, like when I'm out in the lobby, making sure that I don't just have a plastic smile, you know, plastered across my mm-hmm. face because that's what the expectation is, that everyone is happy when you come to church. Mm-hmm. That's usually the opposite is true, that people are coming to church are hurting or um, on Sunday mornings, it's, it can be stressful. And Have you noticed when people are walking by you, like you're at the welcome station or something mm-hmm. like that, and they're different people, have you noticed that they will signal to you with their facial expression and their body language which kind of smile mm. you should give them to realize that you're just seeing by how they're walking where they are mm-hmm. in life that day. Mm-hmm. And therefore, which facial expression is the appropriate one to, for you to say, I'm with you? Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, I would say if I get some sort of signal like that, whether it's yeah, just eye contact or mm-hmm. lack of eye contact, is right now um, what you see most is people wanting either nothing or that plastic, mm-hmm. that, that fake smile, because no one really knows how to deal with the... I'm just having a really terrible morning and I don't know who to talk to. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, it's just not normal to be able to share that. And again, especially um, in a squeaky clean, what can appear to be a squeaky clean church where nobody um, has anything going wrong in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And and somebody who's trying to show hospitality as a ministry Mm -hmm. has to realize that somebody who seems like they're kind of rushing, Mm -hmm. they may not be in a hurry. Mm -hmm. They may just really not want to interact with somebody yeah right yep and that's hard too because you um you know i have some people say that they feel bombarded when they come into the Mm -hmm. sanctuary or into the lobby and they they feel like they want to dart away from from greeters um and then others that say that they love being either hugged or Mm -hmm. you know have a handshake and so um that's where i've found um just again going back to that emotional intelligence where it's, it's so important to to watch for signals and try carefully not assume that there's a cookie cutter way to be hospitable to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been, uh, it's not easy because it would be easy to just pull out a manual and say, okay, handshake this person and mm-hmm. show them where the door is, smile at them on their way out. And that's just not, mm-hmm. um, how people actually feel loved. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we talked about, um, that, piece of vulnerability and being able to show that and that it really does um i played a clip from um a ted talk by Brene brown where she talked about that um how vulnerability she was out to um disprove um the um the necessity for vulnerability and that it's really not something that's helpful because it only produces shame and fear and she found that um even though that was true vulnerability also brought about um, compassion for other people and, and true connection mm-hmm. between people. And so, um, we have to take that first step as, um, you know, and, and as a culture that we want to be strange as a church, as Christians, um, it's not easy to be vulnerable. There's the, um, the, the fact that you might get hurt. Um, that's just the truth, but mm-hmm. the, the sacrifice is, definitely worth the gain that can happen from, from mm-hmm. being vulnerable. Yeah, you can get attacked or ignored. Right. If you're vulnerable. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. But one of the things that, that she said in that TED Talk, which I thought was was helpful, is 
um, that people who are vulnerable, that one characteristic they absolutely have to have is that they have to feel like they're worthy of love, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And on one level, you yeah. can look at that in a very humanistic sense of like, I think I'm good enough, right? Mm-hmm. But in another sense, um, that seems like the thing that every Christian should have in spades if they believe mm-hmm. the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Not so much that they are worthy of love in this kind of like, I can demand it or something, but just they were wor- they were objectively worth loving mm-hmm. to Jesus, who's not only the most loving being on earth, who demonstrated love the best, but also the one that evaluates whether or not loving should happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Jesus actually believed he shouldn't have loved us, he wouldn't have loved us. Right. He yeah. decided that that it was it was good, true, and right for him to love us mm-hmm. and to seek to bring about reconciliation. And so in that sense, every Christian should feel like Jesus chose to love them. Mm-hmm. He did love them. He does love them. And in that meaningful sense, they have received love and in that way are worthy of love mm-hmm. in yeah. a way that is divine. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then the insecurity that makes us feel unworthy of love shouldn't be there. Right. And that's something to then address even, you know, like if you realize that, okay, I'm trying to be hospitable. I'm trying to be self-aware and aware of others and um, how those um, interactions are happening, whether it's at church or at home or wherever, um, trying to be vulnerable. And it's just not, um, there's something beneath that that seems Mm -hmm. to be an issue. It often is that um, lack of sense of like loved by God Mm -hmm. and and truly um, we talked about that at a staff meeting a while back where we, um, some of us felt like um, very unworthy of love and mm-hmm. others felt like they tend to lean the other way where, um, I can't remember, like that it's easy to be on the other side of the spectrum where you um, think, oh yes, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, yeah. I can do whatever I, I want. I think I'm fabulous. No, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> right. And so there's, a, there's clearly a... Um, like you said, a true mm-hmm. way to look at that, that we are divinely worthy. Yeah, and I think one of the ways where Christians could just change that is that using the word worthy there is kind of clumsy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. worthy can mean um, subjectively I deserve mm-hmm. right. this, or it could mean that objectively you are a proper object of love, mm-hmm. right? And so you don't actually have to believe that you're, quote, worthy in some mm-hmm. relative sense. Mm-hmm. If if you believe that you are a proper object of love, you are worth loving, mm-hmm. and that you are loved mm-hmm. by one who loves rightly. Mm-hmm. And this the subjectivity of are you worthy is then removed. And right. people who function without insecurity are people who are no longer living within the relativity of mm-hmm. whether or not they deserve it or not. Mm-hmm. They're living in the objectivity of I am a proper object of love, and I have been the object of Christ's love, mm-hmm. and therefore I am loved. Mm-hmm. And yep. I can receive and I can give love and love is a thing I because the, the whole concept of love and worth th- that's a very weird concept mm-hmm. unless you really define what you mean mm-hmm. yep right yeah and um, and again if you define it correctly right. and if you are because how it, you value yourself mm-hmm. may have zero relationship to your value mm-hmm Right. Biblically yeah. speaking, right? Sure, yeah. And so the fact is is that regardless of how you value yourself, you are valuable and you are valued by God, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Now you should bring your value of yourself in line with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then once you do that, I, like if you develop that mentality and that understanding truly for yourself, 
we naturally will be able to look and see other people in that light as well because it doesn't have to do with status or how we um, grew up or how many times we've been to church, whether or not someone is smiling or crying when they come into the church building. Um, it's We just understand that um, the foundation is that God loves us mm. objectively. Just like everyone else. Yes. Right? So it's right. not special. It's not right. I'm worthier than you are. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it doesn't produce narcissists mm-hmm. or like I'll let you care about me and mm-hmm. I'll give nothing back. Mm-hmm. Because I deserve this. I, sure. I'm lovable, right? Yeah. So, like, I, so I grew up as, like, the second, the, the youngest child of an Italian mother, mm-hmm. okay? The sense of worthiness of love I got at home, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the worth of love I received in Jesus are just totally different things, hmm. right? Yeah. You grow up with an Italian mother, you're, like, worshipped since the day you were born. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you're the smartest, most handsome, yeah. like, most articulate ever in the history, of the, right? Yeah. And Jesus just basically says, um, you bear the image of God. You are mm-hmm. worth something to me, mm-hmm. right? And I mm-hmm. love you like I love all of my creations, right? You're just like everybody else, mm-hmm. and I love you, right? Yeah. That's very different. Mm-hmm. And that is the kind of love that will make you hospitable. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of love that will give you the emotional intelligence to actually pay attention to the other person. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of emotional intelligence that won't let you be completely dominated by what the other person wants to put on you if they're not emotionally healthy. Because mm-hmm. when we show hospitality to other people, we're going to run into all kinds of people that are not emotionally healthy themselves. Yeah. They're going to put all kinds of stuff on yeah. us. And we have to be able to give towards them and not let them put all that junk mm-hmm. on us. Yep. And that requires a certain kind of fortitude mm-hmm. that comes with a really strong sense of who we are and humility, mm-hmm. but also clarity mm-hmm. of what we're meant to do in a relationship and what we're not meant to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you all for listening and uh, tuning in. If after listening to this podcast on hospitality, you're thinking um, that you would love to be able to jump into some sort of area of service, whether it's behind the scenes or um, very much up front, we've got a lot of different ways to serve um, under the connection team at High Point specifically. And so if you're interested in any option, um, we've got coffee team, ushers, greeters, um, serving with um, bringing students from campus to church. Um, We've got a lot of different ways that you could serve that might tailor your gifts and passions. And so you can email me at ehesse, H-E-S-S-E, at highpointchurch.org. And I'd love to be able to get you more information about those things. And um, then we can talk about how you might be able to serve in the future. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you.